December 13, 2016. It's a lot for Pedro's show.
Watford Pedro show. I'm here in Pedro at my pad. My brother Matt is sick. And so I'm in Pedro, but I'm not at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point. Although I'm not completely man alone because the magic of Skype, or via the magic of Skype, I've got Mr. Jay Fox from Denver, Colorado here on the uh, computer. Say hi there, Jay. What's happening, Mike? Yeah. I'm here with Matt Hurley. Okay. Also, who's a member of uh, the pollution? We heard uh, John Coltrane doing "Body and Salt." Not the whole thing, just fragment. Village Gate, nineteen sixty-one. I think it's called uh, Pujon Rouge now. But it's the same pad. I played there a few times with this other name, Red Fish. And then we had Yeti and the Pollution. Okay. The pollution. Well, let's go back with you because you're actually not Denver. You go back uh, to Washington D.C. What, what, what's your earliest music memory, Jay? Uh, my earliest music memory was um, my father being a drummer in a in a marching band for as a Shriner drumming bugle corps. But um, as far as rock and roll music, I think the first rock record I ever bought was the night they drove Old Dixie down by the band. Yeah. So what? You saw your father in a parade. That's your first music memory. Yep. He was in the band. That's what he did. That was his gig in the, in the uh, no, but and his, he, his evening gig I'm was marching. To, I'm talking more about the event. What happened? Oh, it was just, you know, it was just rocking. We're seeing somebody, seeing live music for the first time. You kind of get blown away by the sound of a big band. And that was the, the big band that turned me on for the first time was the Shriner Band. So it wasn't a parade. It was like a concert. Well, it was like probably practice, you know, at the, at the Shrine Hall. But just yeah. seeing you know a whole band full of you know thirty old guys playing drums and horns and playing big big music was pretty uh, pretty mind blowing for a small child. Yeah, because I've only seen them in parades. I never. I thought you had to be like a member to go watch or something like that. I know yeah, it's, I it's kind of the um, party and part of Freemason. In fact, the the kid part is called uh, Jacques du Molay, isn't it? You know, I'm not sure. I know that he was. He did the whole Shriner thing. That's well. We always grew up with Shriners. We all wore fezes and were cla- and had clowns and stuff. You know. I think uh, you don't have to be a Shriner if you're a Freemason, but you have to be a Freemason to be a Shriner. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, but there's some kind of auxiliary for kids. I know because Jay, um, who's that bass man, Les Claypool told, told me he was Jacques de, de Molay growing up. Oh, interesting. So you didn't do that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and uh, let's see, one of Ronnie's friends in Ann Arbor, Bill Cheatham, he was like a bartender at a Shriner uh, Hall. And so that, I don't know a lot. I, I have seen the big automated parade uh, at the George Washington Memorial in, uh, I think it's in uh, Fairfax. Uh, it's in Alexandria, the big, the right. big, big pyramid. Next to it. Dave Grohl's Fairfax, I think. Yeah, it's 333 feet tall. Oh, interesting. Elevator that goes up at a seven-degree angle. I've been there several times. But in the basement, there's a little automated parade. Also some pres- uh, pictures of some Masonic Mexican presidents. Just to- also, uh, uh, upstairs, they got um, Santa Ana Spurs. It's an interesting nice. place. That's, yeah, that's where they used to practice in the basement of that of that big building. Is that right? Well, yeah, that's, that's where they got that little parade thing. It's all it's like a little robot. Did you ever see that thing I'm talking about? 
It's been so long, I can't remember. But I remember going in there and just seeing, you know, just being pretty well, like I say, being pretty amazed by the building and the the whole thing. Yeah, in the basement they have a whole parade, but you know, it's little, of course, little toys, little models, and they all marching in their little cars. And... Okay, <laughs> so um, when did you? Uh, so your pops a drummer? Did he want to get you in on drums? Nah, he wanted me to be a preacher, but I bagged on that. Okay. So he didn't want you to do music, okay? No, he was cool about the music thing. You know, my parents no, were real supportive. No. My parents were like your parents, you know. And it was like um, we practiced in my mom's house, and you know, we were watching the. Um, yeah, but my the, pop didn't do drums. My pop had no music as family. I'm just interested in the connection. He didn't want you to pick up on after him. No, he did, he did. I guess you know they bought us gear, they bought us band equipment, and let us practice. You know, well, so who's they. they? My mom and dad, they're enablers for, of rock and roll for sure. No, and who's us? Oh, my brother and I, sorry. Okay. My brother and I grew up, we had a band starting when we were like 15. Younger and, brother, uh, older brother? Older brother, yeah. Okay. And uh, how did you get on? What, did you ask your mom and dad? Can you, like, first of all, what instrument? Well, my brother played guitar, and then I wanted a guitar, so, but since he was a guitar player, he told me I had to be a bass player, so I bought a bass, and I became a bass player. So nobody wanted to be a drummer? No, nah, we had, no, nah, it was, it was, it was not, neither my brother or I were interested in drums, you know. Not, Even though I was, your I was pop drum. did, did your pop have a drum set at the house? No, it was a big kettle drum, big marching drum. Ah, a field drum, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's where they get that technique of holding the stick trippy before right. rock and roll grip, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So he didn't play a trap kit, so I could see why maybe not so attractive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, unless you want to march in the band, you know? Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, they used a marching band on that Taft Falco record. Mango. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of bands. Like, now it's a big thing. We have here in Denver, we have the Itchio, uh, um, the marching band that Jello just put out on Alternative Tentacles, and they're a big marching band. Tell me you're... about that. He's, he's going to try to get back... Uh, He's he's calling Doug Coffee. He wants to do a DJ set at Lion's Lair. Yeah, he's usually in town this time of year for he has family here somewhere. I saw so he's him a couple of days calling. ago in Pacifica, and uh, okay, he asked for Doug Kaufman's contact so he could try to get that going. <laughs> yeah, we saw him DJ last year when he was here. Was it at Lion's Lair? No, it was at um, some other little bar down on Larimer Street. Okay. I'm just curious. So, okay, your brother, what's the name of that band? We were in a band called United Mutation. Okay. It was all attached to the whole DC Hardcore Discord Records thing. Yeah, so about this time was what? Early 81. 80s? And uh, do you remember your first gig? First gig, we played in a basement in Fairfax County, and we emptied the room. And uh, the, 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 headlining, the headlining band had a... Headlining band had uh, Steve Hansgen in the band. He later went on to be in Minor Threat. Well, really, I don't remember that. Yeah, he he uh, he came on after a while after they when they became two guitars after the first couple. Oh, of records. oh, that's right, that's right. I didn't know that version so well. Yeah, uh, the one I knew had Lyle and uh, and Brian, Brian the Bad Religion guy. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and Steve came on and Brian switched to guitar. That's right. That's right. Yeah, don't they yeah, always so threw do up with all that? Uh, what about your buddy there? Matt? Yeah. Uh, we met Matt. I met me and Matt met in Antarctica. Ah, but how did he get started? 
Uh, I, I was involved in um, a variety of different music projects when I was a, a kid. I, my, my little brother, uh, I remember our first, we got, I got him a drum kit. We were putting a, we saved up recycling uh, cans and we bought a, bought a super cheap drum set and we uh, got together in the basement of our house in Boston, the Boston area and, uh, and wrote songs about neighborhood dogs and things like that. I kind of grew up with the, I went to high school with some of the gang green guys from the Boston area. Who, uh, who went on drums? Uh, my brother, brother was a little brother. Uh, so somebody wanted to play drums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Was, uh, yeah. What's his name? Chris. Chris Darty. Oh yeah, Chris Darty. Yeah, that was the that was the Gang Green guys. Yes. Uh, okay. Minutemen did a gig at the yeah. Channel, and I think Chris lasted one tune. It was Uskin Huskers, and I think Gang Green opened up, and uh, he was really a fan of Budweiser, and oh, that yeah, night yeah. Budweiser uh, won. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah. out. When I was okay. in high school, uh, they played the talent show as a band called Schmegma and the Nuns, and they had the power pulled on them. Uh, uh, anyway, that was a very that was a very uh, inspiring moment because I thought, wow, what, what, you know, just to get them to shut the power down on them, I thought that was pretty impressive. So yeah. very impressive. We're going to play into the ether. What can you tell me about this song? Into the ether. Um, that was the earlier pollution. It's. Um, kind of a shout out to all the different bands we've all shared together.
Live doing into the ether. Then many birthdays, brand new, ancient bird, spino urchin, desert pain. Something brand new with uh, a prod here in Pedro. Joe Dean put together with George Hurley on the drums. Georgie, the Wrinkling Brothers with Electra's Plumbing Problem. Brand new Surfer Blood after that matter of time. I think they got a new lineup now. Um, some live Midwest medicine, Midwestern medicine, although they're out of Portland, Maine. You know, arts for transcendent things like physical location. For example, John Fogarty, very Northwest Bayou. Everything I have to offer. Uh, Hell Beans from England after that with Maybe I'm a Nightmare. Brand New Light out of Tokyo with Balloon. Petra Hayden with Petra Hayden. Frame by frame. And finally, from the uh, Joshua Tree area, D-E-R with Nervous. Back with uh, Matt and Jay of the Pollution. So, yeah, you should uh, explain this Antarctic connection. Well, basically, the Antarctic thing was um, back in the early in the early 90s, I was interested. We were writing, I was writing a um, 
writing a documentary at that point about um, the uh, or a musical piece about the Antarctic krill. And um, I got sucked into the whole history of it all and ended up meeting a person who worked for the National Science Foundation. And I ended up just applying for a job and got a job down in Antarctica in 1995 and um, just doing kind of like a grunt work, you know, shoveling snow, moving stuff, doing whatever you needed to do. And that's where I met Matt at because he was doing the same basic thing. Okay. Okay. And we had bands. We played in bands down there for years. And Matt and I have been playing together for about 17 years now at this point. So, so you're playing, what, at the compound? What, what oh, we played bars and coffee shops, lounges. Every year they have a great big music festival called Ice, the Ice Stock Music Festival, which is the uh, southernmost music festival in the world. And we played that every year in various different bands. We had punk bands and folk bands and bluegrass bands, you name it. Everybody, everybody in town got to play. I mean, there's a, it's a town. Yeah, it's a ten McMurdo Station. It's about a hundred buildings. And it's called what? McMurdo Station. McMurdo Station. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's bars and okay. I was figuring maybe there's only a couple pads to play. Well, there's like there's like three basic places: the coffee shop, which is small acoustics type stuff. That's where we showed the the um, the um, we we Jamie Cano documentary was showed in the coffee house, and then. Um, there's the bar where you have bigger concerts where like more rock bands type play. Do you remember your first Antarctic gig? Um, yeah, the first Antarctic gig I played was with, I walked in the station and, uh, first day I got there, I went to check the band room out and, uh, got, uh, kind of press mobbed into being in a country band. And I played with a band called the commander Swabby and the fuel pit pickers. <laughs> and, uh, they were playing uh, a lot of, you know, uh, change in my pocket type of, you know, modern country stuff. And I lasted one gig with that before I found somebody who knew how to play that stuff better than me. And uh, I kind of kicked myself out of their band and started another band. With Matt? No, he wasn't. Not at that point. He was actually uh, working at the South Pole. I was at McMurdo. He was on. He was in the interior, and I was on the coast. So I started this other band with just other friends. Actually, Jeff, who was our drummer for 20 years, um, was in the very first band I played at. And he just recently quit our band, like, this past fall, last fall. Okay, so you mean there's more than one station? Yeah, there's, well, the United States has three stations, one on the okay. coast at McMurdo, one on the South Pole, the actual 90 South, and one up on the Antarctic Peninsula, south of Chile. So you could get a tour going. Yeah, you can. <laughs> it's like, I've, I've only done two of the three stops. I've never, been, I've never been to Palmer, the smallest station. But what about the other people, like England and Australia, Russia? Yeah, there's, yeah. There's stations all over the place. Yeah. All over so, Antarctica, yeah. How's it set up there? Like, nobody can own Antarctica, but they own their little stations. Well, there's, there's claimants. There's people who signed, into, who signed on to the Antarctic Treaty Organization, and they have claims that are, you know, sections of pie, so to speak. Um, the United States doesn't claim any of it. We just kind of operate op- as we feel ne- we need to. So we support pretty much all science in Antarctica. Okay. So... Could you play other stations? Would there be a problem? Is there like borders? Oh, no, you can do it. I mean, we played like numerous times there. It's a New Zealand base. It's Scott Base, which is like two miles down the road. We've played there many times. You know, it's a great place. Actually, I played it with Henry Kaiser. We played a Christmas party there one year with Henry Kaiser. It was really fantastic. Now, how did you get around? Just get in a truck and drive down the road. So it ain't that bad with the weather? No, nah, not so bad. Even in the wintertime, it wasn't that horrible. You can still get around. Okay. You know... Just have no experience, so I have to ask somebody. <laughs>
Oh, no, totally. No, it's, it's fascinating stuff. I've been doing it for 20 years. So okay, I'm got so why of, the pollution? Well, the pollution was, was a band that we, me and Matt started, which was the fallout from another band we started, which was Brain Box Pollution, where we were kind of spinning around looking for something new to do, so we put together a set list of all Hawkwind songs. Yeah, because Brain Box Pollution is actually a, an album, isn't it? It's a it's a song. It's a Hawkwind song. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I so we it was like uh, a huge concept. Yeah, about something in the seventies, right? I think. Yeah, it was, that was that was the whole thing. It was like a kind of science fiction stuff. Yeah, right. That's what the whole brain box pollution was. So we took that song as our name, put together a set list, and basically what we did is we took like a bunch of Hawkwind songs, stripped all the space rock out of them, turned them into like punk rock songs, and played what was more like a uh, sex pistolized version of of Hawkwind songs. Yeah, kind of condensed. Yeah, and we did that for about two years around Denver and played a bunch of shows. And then we lost our keyboard player and uh, we our, sorry, we lost our guitar player, got a keyboard player, cut the brain box out and just kept the pollution. And, and that's in Denver? Or is it that's in there? Denver? That's in Denver, yeah. yeah. And when that's that's the band. We had the, when we played with you guys two years ago. Yeah. We um, had Paramount that. Lounge. We had, we had that part of the band. We had the keyboard player still, and then he quit, and we started this new this new pollution, which is what this whole Sir Edmund thing's all about. It's a it's a trio, correct? Right. Because I was I got to see some uh, YouTube dot com video, and I could see it was a quartet at one period, and I guess that's the keyboard guy. Right. Okay. I just try to get get it together. Um, who do you got on drums now? Well, this guy Oscar, who was um, basically when Jeff got a Jeff, our drummer, who'd been our drummer for years, got a job in his field and left the band. And Oscar came out, and he's an old punk rock guy from from Berkeley, from the the uh, East Bay scene. And he lives here in Denver, and um, he was such a great drummer. We were like, well, hell, we should just do all this other stuff. So we kind of scrapped all the old pollution songs and wrote a whole new set over the past year. And uh, yeah, not so much with the Hawkwind. Now nah, we kind of plink around on that stuff, and it's still the, the there's the the vibe is still there, but sure. we're not actually playing the songs. Sure, sure. Uh, still, uh, quite interesting how you took something as a springboard to launch into something else. Uh, it's been the first hour, December thirteenth, two thousand sixteen edition of Watt for Pedro Show. Matt and Jay from Pollution special guest. Hold tight for hour two. December 13th, 2016. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Pedro Show start the second hour with the pollution. Something live, Fukushima. Sentiments. It's like, like a, you, you combine two songs into one. Yeah, the Fukushima part is um, original um, riffing that we kind of put together. It's all about nuclear war and destruction. And that's kind of the pollution thought process originally was very much in a uh, kind of crass um, records type of um, vibe. Um, definitely like, you know, peace punkish, uh, subhumans, that kind of stuff is where we're kind of going with. Again, kind of music that was influenced by Hawkwind, but not Hawkwind. And the Fukushima piece, uh, or the uh, sentiments piece, um, was kind of a, a tag on a on, a, on an actual crass um, piece on the on a Christ the album, and it doesn't really sound like that. But the, we I used one line of theirs at the very last of the song to kind of t- tally out the piece. Tally out. What does that mean? Well, you kind of tag at the end, I guess. Oh, yeah. I. Uh... Just got off a tour with Elsonia de Marinaio in Europe, and one of the gigs, it was in Antwerp. Uh, Eve Libertine guested, sang on uh, for one of the bands on the bill, a couple songs. It was great to see her again. I get, once got to play with her and her son in the 90s share bill here in Pedro with Dose. Uh, with, speaking of Elsonia de Marinaio, the drummer man. Andrea Belfi has a few projects, and we heard some music from there. Sarah Person, number one. Then BBS with Solo, and The Swifter doing Traveling Angle. The guitar man from that band, Stefano Palia, he's got a new solo record, and this tune's called Children's Ghost. And finally, incredible guitarist, uh, Terracina, yeah, not Roma. He got very upset with him, but it's close. Don't tell him that. Manlio, Maresca, and Manual for Errors, offing out. Uh, back to Matt Jay here with a pollution story. They got this project about the Himalayas. You want to talk about it, Jay? Yeah, so we basically, when we started this whole new project, I've been kicking these ideas around about Sir Evan Hillary, of course, factors into our lives, you know, working in Antarctica. Matt is uh, married to a woman from New Zealand. So we've both spent a lot of time in New Zealand, around New Zealand, and um, in the Antarctic, um, Jeff, when we originally started the original project, had spent a lot of time in the Himalaya. So it kind of ties into our world, you know, on a, on a certain level. Yeah. Well, what is it? Well, it being the, the, the Right. Well, the music is like the piece of music where we're writing at this point is we're, we're around eight songs into this, um, what I'm calling a musical biography of Sir Edmund's life. Basically, what I did is I went through historical documentation, his own writings, um, you know, things online, and pieced together different parts of his life that we could attach to, um, attach music to. So we, you know, there's certain things like we have a piece called Komolongma, which is the name of Mount Everest, you know, in Nepali and Tibetan. There's Komolongma Sagarmatha. Um, we have another song called uh, Tractors to the Pole, which is um, in the 1950s when Sir Edmund Hillary went to Antarctica for the first time, he was invited to come along by um, the British expedition leader who was coming from the opposite side of Antarctica on the Weddell Sea, traveling across through the South Pole and back down through the, the uh, Beardmore Glacier region onto the Ross Ice Shelf out to McMurdo. Well, Sir Edmund was tasked with laying depots 
up the glacier and onto the plateau. And Vivian Fuchs, the expedition leader, was coming from the other side. Well, he got bogged down in soft snow, and Sir Edmund, of course, made great time coming up the up the, up the, the uh, glaciers. And um, they were told not to go to pole, even though they were right outside. But they, of course, were like, you know, <laughs> can't hear you. Go to pole, sure. <laughs> so they kicked up the engines and bustled right on into town. So that's that's one of the pieces, and that's that piece is and, and musically is almost that's kind like of a, far from the Himalayas. Well, yeah, but that's all. But it's all part of his whole life, oh, you know. It's, so his it's whole more, life. It's really not about just the Himalayas. It's the life, right? It's how, all. How far back do you go? Do you go back to when he was a boy? Um, well, you know, it, it goes it goes back to his original career of being a beekeeper, and we have a song called Beekeeper. That's one of the songs in the set. And um, where was that? Was that New Zealand? Yeah, it was in New Zealand. Yeah, he he was a beekeeper. His father owned a, 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 a farm, I guess you'd call it, for lack of a better word, where they raised bees, and that was his that was his career. So if you were to ask Sir Edmund, even later in life, you know, what was your career? He would say, "Well, I'm a beekeeper." No, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's uh, righteous work. We're going to oh, hear uh, "No Doves Fly Here." Tell us something about that. Well, no Doves Fly Here was a cover of the the band The Mob, who are a Crass Records band. That yeah, was called- I was go- just going to say that. Now I, I, I get the uh, connect with the. Uh, I think uh, that artist Banksy guy had a connect too. Oh, very possibly, yeah. The uh, Mob, actually, my old band United Mutation played two years ago back in D.C., and the Mob was the headlining band on the uh, festival we played. Great, let's listen.
time, boy, when I searched for steel. And steel, not more than even gold or jewels. A riddle of steel. Yes. You know what it is, don't you, boy? Shall I tell you?
James Cruikshank.
Lock for Pedro show. That was mob cover of mob tune. No doves fly here. Pollution. And uh, out of Finland, Kent Cannon heads with uh, real body punk. And uh, yeah, I think the bass man moved on to another band there called Metri Paina Kilon. Then we heard Naksu. Then Zigzags out of, uh, where did I see those guys? Pioneer Town. Pioneer Town, totally created by Hollywood. Took over by bikers, I, I finally learned. Riddle of Steel. And Frederick Kimbom out of uh, Berlin. Him for him. And finally, Negative Scanner with Low. I think out of uh, Chai Town. Okay, very interesting. Um, how long away are you with this? What, what are you going to call this project, the Yeti? It's, it's called Ocean to Sky is the name of the project. Okay. And that's we have this. We have we're, we're seven songs, eight songs into it as far as basic tracks now, and have a yeah. couple more to write. So we'll be working on this through the first of the year, and probably start mixing and finishing up the overdubs after the holidays, and um, then pushing forward and seeing what we can do with it after that. Uh, was there controversy in his life? In Sir Edmund's life. Um, no, not really. I mean, other than like, it's, it's, and for the most part, he, you know, he was really lucky. Once he, once he got his, I'm wondering if your piece has got, you know, is the drama just with nature or is there with people too? Um, well, with the, with the project currently with the, the biography, it's, there's not really any, any, it's all more about, you know, the, the nature and the, the locations, the, the, um, well, like you just mentioned about, oh, we can't hear you fire up the, it seems like a little, there was a little drama there. They didn't want oh, to yeah. too far ahead. Yeah, well, there was definitely, I'm sure he had, and it, well, of course, you know. Was and there stuff like that when he was doing his big climb? Um, you know, it sounded like from reading the books and the historical stuff, um, there's obviously fighting against nature, but, you know, they had a really good group, and the only confrontations was that certain people who wanted to go to the top didn't have the ability to make it, and the ones that did were the ones that made it, you know, and it was, if your team couldn't get, couldn't make it past the, Hillary Step or whatever you had to back off or you know and so they he and Tenzing actually made it up and you know and, and that, made it that's a Sherpa that was his Sherpa Tenzing Norgay yeah yeah I read about him he had kind of an interesting story yeah he got kind of shortchanged in some yeah. levels but you know he because of course you know at those does days he figure he into your piece? those people does he figure into your piece He's, um, you know, that's, I have not actually written a piece of music about Tenzing Norgay, actually. That would actually be a good, a good piece of, to, to, Here's uh, a coincidence. Last night, uh, you know, I got rid of cable TV. So I got one of these antennas, because so, now all the air TV has to be digital, right? Right. Cisco Kid was on. And I'm thinking about Poncho. Mm. You know? And the right. idea of the sidekick, and it seemed like maybe. Uh, how, what, what, what's your opinion of Sherpas and the climbers? Are they essential? Oh yeah, totally. And in those days, they couldn't even have gotten up the mountain without him. Even nowadays, I mean, I've never been up that into the Himalaya, but I know that it's it's very important. And and Tenzing in his world coming up with um, with um, Sir Edmund, he was you know a hugely a huge celebrity. In, in in the in the region and and highly re- high re- highly respected until his death. Um, the biggest problem I think what happened with Tenzing was that he was 
fell by the wayside in the Western world because, you know, that just didn't, they weren't acknowledged as, you know, the same as, you know, it's kind of like Tonto with the Royal Ranger, you know, they think about Tonto because he was, you know, they're almost like non-people in, in certain circles. But in a way, if you really know the show, you know Tonto's very important, just like with the Cisco Kid and Poncho. Oh, yeah. They're not just the the color character, you know. They're actually... But they, because of, yeah, stereotypes, maybe the writers are having some fun with that. Because, yeah, people were a lot more, uh, yeah, kind of stiff that way. Well, you know, it's um, it's funny. The the actual image that Sir Edmund Hillary took from the top of Everest, the, the classic iconic image... Of the man on the mountain with the spike yeah. in his with the ice axe in his hand is Tenzing Norgay. Is that, that was the right? that's, I mean, that's not Sir Edmund. It's Tenzing. <laughs> then you know what, Jay? I think you got to write at least one piece of music in your piece for you. Yeah, I think you're right. That's and good. the only the only mention we actually have is I have a, there's a song called "Blood in the Gompa Steps," which is a story from Sir Edmund's life where he they had. They were building monasteries and building building schools. We got to hold on. We're at the end of hour two. Let's pick that up in the next hour. People, December thirteenth, two thousand sixteen edition. Watt from Pedro show. Jay Matt from Pollution Enlightening Watt. Hold tight for hour three. December thirteenth, two thousand sixteen. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Black sword, 
Ice plates are blowing in off the lake. This 30 below wind chill factor is right at all that I could take. They measure the ice by stacks of wrecks piled 30 deep. All I want to do is sleep hard. It's an 11 car winter so far. Bars are no longer full since the jobs left with the cold. They tore down the world's largest cement dock and took away a piece of my soul. You'll never see a deeper blue than Shawamagan Bay lit by the stars. It's an 11 car winter so far. It's an 11 car winter so far It's only halfway through the holiday season If it grows to 25 by March I will have lost all reason you learn a thing or two about yourself In coldest rock it's been an 11 car winter so far. The tourists are gone by mid October. We fend for ourselves until May. The sun barely breaks the horizon, nights twice as long as day. The aurora borealis flickers like fireflies trapped in a jar. It's an 11 car winter so far. yourself in cold this raw it's been an 11 car winter so far you left me in November you said you needed space to be free said the weather wasn't the problem it lay squarely with me I'll never know a worse day up the car It's an 11 car winter so far
was out hunting men Carrying death machines On the water to nowhere Carrying men of war Every wave takes its toll While I am here, will you 
see my reflection in the music that surrounds you? Will you feel it in your skin? Will you let the light come in? Or will you feel it all around you? Whoa, it's hard to believe it's not magic. Tragic to think that we don't know where we're going. What are you showing? When I am gone, when I'm further than gone, when I am traveling, when I'm moving on.
show started the third hour off with devil's work live from the pollution what about that one jay Man. the devil's work was a song written by a friend of mine peter who um is a great wordsmith and he's actually written quite a few of the lyrics for a lot of the songs that we've played over the years um i give him a task on a theme and he comes back with some crazy lyrics like your and, pete, uh, uh, pete sinfield was that yes yeah, exactly you know exactly this guy wrote for uh, jack bruce Brown. Oh, God. Yeah, know. stuff like White Room and Tales of Brave Ulysses and Pete Brown. Uh, Pete Brown, I think is. Yeah, name. you got me on that one. But uh, it didn't mean to. Then we had Laughing Gas with Your Knees, Her Shoulder, My Foot. SS Space Systems, Woman on wo- <laughs> Woman of Heroin, Epode, whatever that means. <laughs> Whatever it was, explode at one point. <laughs> Dick Deluxe with its 11-car winner. Did you guys get snow yet? It came and went. Okay, because when I was there, it was cold enough, but it didn't do. People, I was there two weeks ago with my segment. Black Zulu of Denmark with Kitty Hawk. Elliot Eidelman. He's living in Atlanta now. Further than God. Finally, King Champion Sounds. Dutch guys. Uh... That fucking bus again. What do you call that when they put all those symbols for cuss word? I say fucking whatever. Okay, let's let's this thing about uh, back to Hillary. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, so, yes. Blood on the Gompa steps. Um, that's the only thing we touched on with the with the uh, the Sherpa connection. And that story was is that they were basically they were building runways and hospitals and schools all over the Himalaya, and they had. An altercation with one of the Sherpas with they had gotten drunk or something and started an issue and the lead Sherpa was embarrassed by this person acting the way they did so he hit him on the head with a stick and cracked his head open on, and the blood splattered onto the steps of, of the Gompa Palace the monastery and uh, and Sir Edmund's comment was well that would make a great name for a book and I of course read that and was like well, make a great name for a song. So we, yeah. we in, incorporated into the piece. 
I hope the guy got better. Yeah, I'm sure they wrapped him. They probably poured some liquor on his head, wrapped a bandage around, and sent him back down the mountain. What kind of liquor is in the Himalayas? Oh, I don't know, Matt. Any idea? I imagine a lot of probably shine, you know, homebrew. Yeah. <laughs> you know this uh, this tune here, "Angels of Death." This is a uh, Hawkwind tune. Yes. Yep. And I, and in fact, it goes far back enough. You guys are called Rainbox Pollution. Oh, okay, right, yep. Do you remember this gig? Um, yeah, it was that it was just live stuff. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, it was probably the Lion's Lair. Yes. Yeah, but, that was great. That a few was, years uh, ago. A few years ago. Yeah. Um yeah, that we played a bunch of shows in Denver doing all that stuff. It was funny because we never really uh we never really mentioned anybody we were doing Hawkwind songs. We just kind of booked the shows and No, and, didn't you get a chance to open for was it Nick Turner? We did open for Nick Turner. Yeah, yeah that we we uh, didn't play a Hawkwind show that night. Though we did, uh, we did play. Uh, there was a couple of songs. I asked Nick first, and he was like, "If Dave Brock wrote it, I don't care if you play it." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Let's listen.
Watch for Pedro Show, Angels of Death, live version for Bainbox Pollution. And uh, Lion's Lair, where I just was a couple weeks ago, my second man. Then we had Fuck Jar, Flesh Engine God. Yeah, this is stuff from England that uh, Ben from Susan turned me on to. Uh, the Guts with uh, Bike Club, Secret Black Boyfriend with Dead Tanson. And finally, The Dire Sister with the Coventry Carol. Speaking of carols, yeah, Xmas time coming up. Uh, we were talking about uh, Hawkwind, how they're not just in the past. Right. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Totally. Well, they tour every year. Nick Turner tours, and the regular Hawkwind, they um, they were, had scheduled a tour, but they they canceled it, and then they they rescheduled it, and they canceled, it, and they rescheduled, it, and they finally just said they just didn't. They just canceled the tour. But um, you know, they have a brand new record out. It just came out, so they're obviously they're doing something. Do you remember the Hawk Lords? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Side power. Yep, that was when we were working on right at the very end of the original Brain Box. That was one of the ones I had been picking at. What's your theory about Hawklords? Were they trying to pick up on what was happening at that time? I think they were trying to like jump on, like kind of be a little more punky in some yeah. ways. It was, you know, Bob Calvert was really driving it. That you side know. power tune, pretty good. Yep, that's a good one I'll as well. The big guy, the big guy at SST, and uh, Hawkwind was Desert. Just said. What? Yeah. Man, that I think that was a marketer <laughs> saying, uh, I'm having trouble with my headset. So I put an end to that. You should have told him to turn on the watch no, from Pedro no show. More, no more trouble with the headset. Uh yeah, yeah. Dezo was the hugest uh, Hawkwind. We, we would listen a lot, a lot of Hawkwind at the time. And, uh, yeah, I saw the DC3 play at 9.30 Club. Was that with Firehose, maybe? And they played a Hawkwind that's song. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was, and they played uh, they played theme for an imaginary Western also, if I remember Which correctly. Wes, Bruce, and Lane. Actually, I read somewhere Jack Bruce wrote it for Cream, but Eric Clapton did not approve. Interesting. <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah, DC3, those guys were great, man. Yeah, but one thing that was kind of lame, uh, in fact, they endeared the uh, nickname DC Three Hours because they would not get off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well, I think I, I like DC Three better when we played before them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, pretty. It was a tour with. It was one of those package tours. It, it, it was. was it, I remember it. I remember Paul Rossler. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. There yep. was some dose. There was some criminy. There were right, some yep. points where, like, I didn't get off the stage, you know. <laughs> right. Strange. Yeah. So, um, okay, about the uh, Sir Edmund Proj. Tell me, tell me the whole deal. You're more than halfway into it, right? Yeah, we're more than halfway into it, and um, we've, we're um, playing it live. You know, we've done some shows around town just to try to test the water on it, and uh, it's been going over really well. We've, uh, it's, you know, it's... It's got a lot of complexities to it that are different than what we were doing, and it's definitely not pop music. I mean, you know from writing instrumental music or predominantly instrumental music that it's um, it lands with some people better than others. And doing instrumental music that's that's um, progressive punk is um, you know some people get it and some people don't. But that was always the dilemma. But it was also kind of uh, happening. 
<laughs> oh no, totally. You know, it's like this this blood in the gompa steps thing. It's it has an almost like uh, um, Jack Johnson if he was playing playing doing Jack Johnson songs like Fugazi. If somebody was going to ask you about advice and music, well, let's ask Matt first. Matt, what would you tell him in one sentence? I've always just followed whatever I was trying to do. I mean, sometimes I look back and go, oh, we should have done something different. But you can't really do that. I think you have to really just kind of just follow the path you're on. I mean, as a musician, I think. Anyway, that's what I'd say. That's great. What about you, Jay? I would say, you know, basically for me, if you want to be a musician, if you're interested in doing it, just get out and do it. You know, find a friend you can play with and just go with it. I think that's good words, too. I want to thank you both for being on the show. And want to wish you luck with this project. It seems very interesting. I can't wait to play the whole baby in its entirety when you get finished. You'll be one of the first. Okay, thank you. Uh, people, it's been December 13th, 2016, edition of Watford Pivo Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>